Today's episode is brought to you by the Happy Music Teacher Academy, where you can go to get beyond the chaos, build confidence, and find harmony in your music classroom. For more information, go to storiesthatsing.net forward slash join the Happy Music Teacher Academy. See you there. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. elementary music teacher who's frustrated and overwhelmed. I'm Jeanette Shorey, a happy music teacher who loves teaching every day, but it wasn't long ago I was in your shoes. Join me Wednesdays to help you find happy in your music classroom. (laughs) Halloween is next week, and that means your busiest time of the year, or I should say one of your busiest times, but really I think your busiest time of the year is coming up and that is December and it is holiday concert season. Now I have a podcast episode that I'm going to link to in the show notes that talks about some other tips for navigating concert season. But today I want to go into a little bit of some things that will help you, some strategies that will really work when you're in concert season mode. So the first thing that people always ask is, where do I find music? So I'm going to say to you, the first thing you should do is reach out to your fellow music teacher friends for suggestions, either people in your county or people on Facebook. There are so many wonderful Facebook groups, and that would be the first place I would reach out to to get suggestions for music because figure you don't have to do the work then. They've already done the vetting of the music, and they are very familiar with the music, and they're going to tell you their favorites. For example, one of my favorites is Snow Biz. I would highly, highly recommend that. I will link to it in the show notes. It is great music. It's a really cute, it's a musical, So, but you don't have to do it like a musical. You could just use the music because it makes perfect sense without it, and it is no holiday It is just about wintertime. So that is kind of a cool one to do for your fourth and fifth graders. I would also explore Music K-8. They have tons and tons of phenomenal music for you. And then, of course, Music Play Online. John Jacobson has music. There is other music in there. Great peace songs and holiday songs and just lots of really, really great music on Music Play Online. And then while I was researching for this episode, I also found a blog post on weareteachers.com. It's called Winter Songs for Kids, the best warm and inclusive winter songs for kids. And I will also link to that in the show notes. And there are literally 15 of them that could be fun and exciting. Another place to delve into and explore would be YouTube because there are lots and lots of good options on YouTube. So those are some places you can find music. Now, the next thing I always 
hear, the next question that I always hear is, how do I plan my rehearsals? So what I like to do is I like to do a quick warm-up to start. I don't spend any more than five minutes rehearsing. And this is for if you're if you're doing a choir, because in your classroom, if you're doing grade level performances, it's going to look a little bit different. But if you're planning a rehearsal with a choir, then always do a quick warm up. It's important for them. The same reason you would want to warm up your body before you do PE. And that's what I tell them. We are also going to warm up our voices. And when you're doing anything with a choir of elementary school students, I would use lots of movement, I would use manipulatives, and I would do some vocal exploration. So, for example, when one of the my kids' favorite warm-ups is I just use my hand and I say, okay, you're on a roller coaster ride, and we do ooh-wee, and then we do a double dip. and every time we go a little bit higher and we'll do a double dip we'll do a triple dip so just some things to kind of stretch out their voices and get them used to singing this is also a good way to get them into head voice so what do i mean by manipulatives you can use a scarf to help them explore different highs in their voices and lows in their voices you can use, I love to use a ball and a bouncy ball and I'll toss the bouncy ball and they have to catch it. And as it's tossing, they have to follow it with their voice, things like that. I mean, there are tons and tons of different warmups like that. What do I mean by movement? I mean that you could have them when they're going from high and low, from <laughs> from high to low, you could have them sink down. You could have them rise up. You could use a slide whistle and have them mirror the slide whistle and also do the ups and downs with their bodies. You could have them do some sort of a stretching exercise. So they like, imagine they're holding taffy and they pull the taffy apart as slowly as they can kind of thing. So lots and lots of ways you can do movement. If you're wanting them to remember words, one of the best ways to do it is to make up some movement to go with it. Now, if you're working with really little kids, they're going to be doing that movement on stage, so make sure you like the movement. Whether you tell them to or not, they're still going to be doing it. So you do that quick warm-up, and then after the warm-up, you spend the rest of your time working music. The way that I like to do it, and you may have 20 minutes, you may have 25, you may have 30 minutes. God bless you. If you have an hour, you are so lucky. But a lot of us have a very short amount of time. And even if you have an hour, it's never really enough time, is it? So what I like to do is spend the entire rest of the time going over music. I do not spend any time talking. So I'll have my whole setup done before my students come in. We'll do our quick warm up. Before I begin any song, I have my students listen to it all the way through. And then I will always start with the part of the song that I know is going to be the hardest. And we work that part first or parts. So it might be the rhythm that is difficult, or it might be the melody that is difficult. So we always work that first. 
I spend no more than five minutes on each song because you have to figure, I'll never forget, I had a little boy who, he was like the smartest kid. And this was at a time when I wasn't really planning out my rehearsals and I wasn't really timing. And by the way, planning out your rehearsals is a have to because otherwise you will end up wasting lots of time. I know this from experience. So this little boy was like, Miss Shorey, you know, we have like seven weeks left and we've only done two songs and I'm estimating that we are not going to get completely done with all her, our songs. And believe it or not, he was totally right because I really hadn't. So what you want to do is you want to look at the amount of rehearsals you have and make sure that you hit a new song every time you have rehearsal. And you should start early. Like if you haven't started rehearsing yet, I would say you need to start like next week, no later, because you are, don't want to stress you out, but you don't have a lot of time left. You've only got what, five weeks maybe? So, and you can totally do it in five weeks, but I'm going to tell you that the more time you have, the better off. So we spend the rest of the time dealing with music. And at the end, if I have any announcements, I fly them at them real quickly And that's how we do it. Who should participate? If you are in a K-5 school, I would say your fifth graders only. Do not overwhelm yourselves. You have enough going on. And the more students you have in your choir, unless you've got to do a grade level performance, and then it's a different story. But if we're talking a choir, use just your biggest kids. If you possibly can, try not to limit the size. The reason I say not to limit the size is because, first of all, if you audition, you are going to miss out on those really, really excited kiddos that will still be able to learn how to match pitch and how to make beautiful tone based on what you're telling them. Second, it is so devastating for children to get left out because of auditions. I mean, it's hard enough when you're leaving them out, you know, anyway. And I I get it. I know that sometimes we don't have the space and you just have to limit it. And I get that. And if you have to limit it, you have to limit it. And obviously, there are going to be lots of disappointments in their young lives and in their older lives. So I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm totally not. But if you are able to, you know, have a bigger choir, if you've got some helpers, that sort of thing, try not to limit the size so that, first of all, it's such a nice, beautiful, big sound. But second, it's nice for them not to have to worry about that. They just sign up and they get to be in. Again, if you have to limit the size for whatever reason, for your mental health, because you don't have the space, because you don't have helpers, then you do that and you be fine with that. And I am certainly not judging you. How do you get help? Well, parents are always, well, I shouldn't say that, not always. In many instances, parents are very excited to help. And what I would do is I would just reach out and I would ask for volunteers, ask for helpers with costumes, ask for helpers with set design, ask for helpers. 
I don't necessarily recommend having parent helpers in rehearsals. That has not gone well for me. If you know you can trust your parents, that is totally fine, but I don't necessarily recommend having them actually in your rehearsal. You can also ask help from staff members. And if you have a high school where they have a nice drama program or choir program or whatever like that, it may be an opportunity for them to collect some volunteer hours and you could ask them for help or maybe say your local church. There's sometimes musicians, people in music that would be so willing to come and help you in your music classroom. Here are some time savers for you. This is a big deal. First of all, I recommend using a Google form for signups. If you are not a Gmail user, a Google user, I mean, go out right now as soon as you're done with this podcast and sign up for a Gmail account so that you can have access to the Google Docs and the Google Forms and the Google Classroom and all the Google things because it is amazing. And then what you do is you create a Google form that has all of the questions. First name, I recommend doing it just like this and I will create you something, a template so that you have it so that you can figure out what to do and it will be in the show notes. So you're going to ask for first name and last name. I ask for them as two separate lines so that you can sort by different things. You're gonna ask for parent name. You're going to ask for parent email and you're going to ask for parent phone number. You're going to ask for teacher name and then you're going to ask for a t-shirt size or a polo shirt size, whatever it happens to be, all the clothing sizes if you plan to order shirts for your students. Then what you're going to do next is once you start getting the responses, you're going to send out a um, an application or a little note and you'll create a QR code that's easy to do. You can just Google how to create a QR code. You'll create a QR code and you'll link that form to the QR code so that your parents can just scan the QR code and fill out the information. Once you start getting the responses, you'll be able to link the form to a Google Sheet and from there, you have, it's like an Excel spreadsheet. So if you're not using Google yet, it's exactly like an Excel spreadsheet and it will fill in all the information for you. It is such a time saver. I don't recommend doing it any other way. You also want to start a Google Classroom for your students. Whether you're doing a grade level performance or you're doing a choir performance, if you have a Google Classroom, for those kiddos, then the teacher can pass on that information so students are able to listen at home and and they love to listen to that music. And you can also ask your teachers if they could please anytime there's like downtime where they can be playing music if you're doing a grade level performance i highly highly recommend you reach out to the teachers and ask them to allow their students to listen to the music make sure you tell them because a lot of times teachers get panicky and i don't blame them if they're not musical or they don't have time which they don't then they're they're going to be like oh my gosh it's one more thing so what you do is you say 
Ask your most savvy student, that one who reminds you about everything, to remind you to put the music on anytime there's downtime, anytime where they're doing a lineup or they're they're, you know, they've got 15 minutes in between activities or whatever. And that way they're hearing the music more often. We're gonna talk more about that in a moment. So those are some ways to save time. I also recommend if you don't have the funds to hire an accompanist, you would not believe how many YouTube videos there are just for accompaniment. So I highly, highly recommend going to YouTube and finding some accompaniment. I get that it's not the same as having a real piano player in the room with you. Totally not the same. But you know, we live in the real world and this is one of the ways that I am a happy music teacher is because I go to YouTube sometimes for accompaniment because there are times when I don't have the funds in my budget to hire an accompanist and maybe I also don't have the funds to purchase the track. So I get that it's valid and you should have a live accompanist, but let's face it, we don't get those kind of funds and it's really hard sometimes to, you know, if you have a piano player parent or a teacher, then that's a different story. But otherwise, YouTube can totally be your friend. Now, the biggest, biggest, biggest question I always get is how do you still teach your curriculum when you're doing a grade level performance? How do you do it? So here's some tips on that. I have four tips for you. First of all, have them listen to the music as they're coming in and have them listen to the music as they're leaving. This is a really good way to actively engage them as they're coming in and leaving. Once they know the music, you can have them sing along as they're coming in and as they're leaving. That way they are you know, actively engaged, they're not gonna be talking on their way in, and it's a win-win for you because they get to listen to a song that you need them to learn on the way in and on the way out. So what I like to do is I'll start as early as possible and let's say you've got five weeks left till concert time, you listen to one of the songs each time coming in and leaving. That is not going to be enough time, but at least it's a start. Number two, I set aside no more than Four weeks is usually what I try to do, and we only work that music in those four weeks because I am not willing to totally set aside my curriculum for two or three months. I'm just not doing it, and that doesn't mean that my kiddos are not prepared. I just have other ways to help them. Number three, use that Google Classroom to get your students listening at home. Make sure you compose a letter, put a QR code in there, and send that letter through email to the teachers. Ask the teachers to please send it off to the parents with the QR code so the students can join the classroom. I also recommend step-by-step -step instructions on how to join the Google Classroom. Then, Make sure that those teachers are having the students listen to the music. Again, explain to them what you want them to do. Basically, all they have to do is put that music on and let the kids listen to it. The more they listen to it, the less work you have to do. Number four, 
I am going to, while I'm teaching that music, I am going to add my curriculum in there. If I want my students to be playing shakers one week, then we are going to use that music and we are going to play our shakers. We are going to perhaps add some instruments in where we do rhythm cards and we're playing our instruments or we're reading the rhythm cards. We are going to do some movement. I might add a bouncy ball activity, or I might talk to them about the different notes and the values of the notes, the whole note, the half note. We might sing it at eight different tempos. We might do like a whole deep dive into adagio and allegro and largo and, you know, all those things. Or we might do some crescendos, do some decrescendos, do some... Um, dynamic differences, some mezzo forte, some piano, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, just because you're teaching holiday music doesn't mean that you can't add your curriculum in. You do it the same way as you would do it for any other music that you're teaching. So, let's go back and do a quick review. Number one, where do you find music? Reach out to music teacher friends. Use Music K8, Music Play Online, weareteachers.com. Number two, how do you plan your rehearsals? A quick warm-up using movement, manipulatives, vocal exploration, and then the rest of the time is spent with your songs. And make sure that you start with the hardest parts of the songs first. Number three, who should participate? In my opinion, if you can, if you're doing a choir, just your biggest kids should participate. And if you can do it, that's not going to cause you a lot of stress and strain. Don't limit the size. But again, if it's going to be a problem for you mentally, physically, whatever, then do limit the size. That's really up to you. It is not my business. Number four, use some time savers. Use that Google form for signups. Use the Google Classroom for listening. Use any other time savers that you find. Number five, who do you get help from? Parent volunteers, staff members, high school kids. Reach out to your local community, your church, those types of things. And number six, how do you still teach your curriculum? They listen as they're coming in and leaving. You set aside a certain number of weeks, no more than you decide, four, no more than two, no more than six, whatever it happens to be. Use Google Classroom and ask the students to listen at home and ask the teachers to play the music during their class time when it's available. And finally, use Instruments, movement, tempo, dynamics, teach all of the things while you're teaching those songs. If you got some great tips and tidbits that are going to help you become a happy music teacher, I would be so thankful if you'd leave me a review. Thanks so much for your time. Well, that's all I have for you today. But before I go, let me remind you, keep learning keep growing, and keep being fabulous you.